but now. The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. So far the reading of God's word, let us pray. Blessed Lord who has given us your word, given us a word, a holy word, an inspired word for our learning, for our salvation, for our justification, for our sanctification, and for comfort. Comfort us by your holy word that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. St. Augustine formulated the doctrines of grace in the 16th century. Excuse me, 4th century. Someone in the audience said, no, you're wrong. (laughs) Right, 4th century, 4th, 5th century. St. Augustine, guided by God's word and the faithful ministry of the church, Augustine discovered the power of the gospel, and the church agreed. The church agreed to the power of the gospel in councils and creed. But in time, the law in the hands of unfaithful ministers passed up on the gospel and fell the church into darkness. Now, during the Middle Ages, there were many lights, many faithful ministers, many faithful churches calling Christians, calling the church back to the councils, back to the creeds, back to God's word and Christ alone. But the allure of the law was too great. The allure of the law so great, so powerful, That darkness, darkness consumed the church until Martin Luther, suspended, suspended by God's word, controlled by those ancient manuscripts, the truth of antiquity, Luther found the primacy of the gospel. Luther rediscovered the primacy of the gospel. And it transformed him. And transformed by the doctrines of grace, Luther became one of the fiercest ministers for the gospel the church has ever known. And Martin Luther said this, I'm paraphrasing, but Martin Luther said, you cannot know God's word without knowing the distinction between the law and the gospel. You need to know the difference between the law and the gospel. What is the distinction between the law and the gospel? Here it is. The law condemns and the gospel saves. 
The law condemns, and Christ alone saves. We must know the distinction between these two words, or else the church will fall to the darkness. And I want to prove the validity of these two words, law and gospel, with two words in Scripture. But now. Martin Lloyd-Jones is famous for preaching a sermon on one word in the Bible. And I'm no Martin Lloyd-Jones. I need two words. And those two words, I'm gonna, I plan on preaching a whole sermon from two words this morning, but now. Two of the most beautiful words ever penned, but now. Now, they don't sound that amazing. <laughs> those two words don't sound so amazing, but now. Those two words, but now, demand a context. And the context of Romans 3.21 is Romans 1.18. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans 1.18. In Romans 1.18, we read that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. The wrath of God is being revealed, is revealed right now against truth suppressors. Now, who are these truth suppressors? Who is God's wrath abiding upon? And the answer is the law of God tells us, Romans 2.14. Drop over to 2.14. We see that the law of God reveals this wrath. 2.14 says, for when Gentiles, I think that's most of us here in the church, for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires. They are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even accuse them. On the day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Who is God's wrath abiding upon? The law reveals, natural law reveals, that Gentiles are condemned. Gentiles are condemned by the law. Gentiles are whom God's wrath is being revealed upon Gentiles, but not Gentiles alone. Verse 23 of chapter 2. Chapter 2, 23 says, but you who boast in the law, that's the written law, that's to the Jew, Paul is speaking, but you who boast in the written law dishonor God by breaking the law. The written law proves that Jews are condemned by the law. Gentiles are condemned by the law. Jews are condemned by the law. And the wrath of God abides upon us all. The eternal law of God condemns everyone. Chapter 3, verse 9. What then, Paul asks a question, what then? Are the Jews any better off than the Gentiles? No, not at all. For we have already charged by the law, we have already charged that all both Jews and Greeks are under sin. None is righteous. No, not one. This means the law condemns you. 
you are condemned by the law. Drop down to verse 20. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Now, you might want to argue with me and say, but pastor, deep down inside, deep down in my heart, I know I'm a good person. And the law says, no, for all have sinned and fall short the glory of God. But you say, but I'm going to do better. I'm going to try harder. And the law says, no, a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. But I please God. I know I please God. And the law says, those in the flesh cannot please God. You are condemned by the law. Every single one of us, all humans. You see, the context of Romans 3, 21 is law, and the law condemns everyone. Now hear these wonderful words, but now. But now. Something different. No more condemnation, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. And this righteousness, Paul is saying, is distinct from the law. And this is another word. This is another context. Turn with me to Romans 1.16. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. You see, the other word is gospel. The Bible is law and gospel. And the gospel is powerful, unlike the law, because it's powerful, it's powerful because it is apart from the law. You see, the gospel is powerful because it is apart from the law. You see, the law is weak, powerless, because the law is up to you. And you're weak. You are a futile-minded, dark-hearted enemy of God with callous heart who's ignorant and dead. (laughs) Those are the adjectives of the Bible about fallen man. We're weak. We're powerless. That's why the law is powerless. But the gospel is powerful because it is the work of God. The gospel is powerful because it is the work of Christ. That's a distinction That's a distinction you better learn quickly. You better learn the distinction between the law and the gospel quickly because somewhere a pastor in skinny jeans and sweet tats is going to try to convince you that you can be the gospel or try to convince your children. But now we know better. (laughs) But now. You see that but now signified a change in time. You see, before this but now, there was just law and we were all condemned. You see, the law is as old as creation. The law is old as creation and that law has been condemning people to hell ever since Adam. But something new entered after the law came and after Adam failed and after the law was failed by man, something new came and that newness is gospel. And that gospel has changed history. It has changed time forevermore. You see, the gospel is distinct from the law because it changes history. And Paul knew that 
change very well. Paul knew the change so well. He was dramatically changed in history, right? On the Damascus Road, we're all familiar with Paul or Saul on the Damascus Road going to kill the church. But then the change... You see, Paul, before the change, was an enemy of God. Now, Paul, Saul would have argued otherwise. Saul would have said, I'm not an enemy of God. I have the law. And I call on Yahweh. I have the law, and I call on Yahweh. But by, the, but by that works of the law and by that calling on Yahweh, Saul was condemned further. Jesus made this evident when he asked Paul, why are you persecuting me? You see, with the law, Saul was attacking God. His zealousy for the law caused him to attack God, and the law made him an enemy of God. Now, the question for us, the question perhaps begged is, what about us now? Could we, armed with the law, we in service to the Lord, could we be condemned by the law? Could we stand condemned, even as Christians in the church? Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Those are strong words, aren't they not? Strong words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. And what is that will? That we believe on the one whom he has sent. Can we be condemned with the law? You bet. A law without the gospel? We're condemned already. We need the gospel alone for salvation. The law binds and the gospel liberates. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians. Philippians 3, for Philippians 3, chapter 4, or excuse me, Philippians 3, verse 4. Paul writes in Philippians 3, verse 4, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. He says, if anyone thinks they have a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. You think you're good? I'm better. <laughs> That's basically what he's saying. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. That's my status. Right. By the law, right. Sacrificed on the right day, or, or circumcised on the right day. Of the people of Israel, the right people. Of the tribe of Benjamin, the right tribe. Every advantage, he says. A Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness, his benefits under the law, he says, blameless, blameless. But, there's that word, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For I... For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. There was no one better, no better law keeper than Paul. But, he says, our little word there, but he counted it all rubbish. He counted it all loss. 
Without the gospel, you still have God, by the way. Without the gospel, you still have God. With the law, you have God. That's Paul's argument. With the law, you have God. You have him in his wrath. He is there in his wrath, revealing himself in his wrath. But with the gospel, you have God in his grace. That's a major distinction, is it not? A major difference. Complete opposites, the law and the gospel. But the gospel, you have life eternal. Now, it might seem that the law is all bad. It's like, hey, pastor, this law, this law is terrible. I think we should just get rid of it. <laughs> Let's get rid of this law. It's terrible. But the Bible is both law and gospel. We need the law and the gospel. We just need to know they are complete opposites. They're not the same thing. You see, the first use of the law shows us our sins and misery. The first use of the law shows us our sins and misery, and the gospel shows us how we're delivered from our sins and misery. The first use of the law shows us why we need the gospel. The law we need in order to see the necessity of the gospel. Now, if I'm living my best life now, if I got the best life now, and God helps those who help themselves, deeds and not creeds, purpose-driven life, fulfilled, I got all the law, I got it, I'm doing good, why do I need the gospel? That was Rome in the 16th century. And broad evangelicalism is Rome in the 16th century today. It's in the sermons I hear on the radio that are all about being a better you and four steps to this, becoming a better you, and four steps to avoid this. I see it and read it in Christian books, purpose-driven, being purposely mindful, being moved, and radical this and radical that, programs. It's all programs, and all these programs are akin more to Oprah than to Christ. It's all law in too many churches and too little gospel in others. Darkness. You see, the modern church has an affair with the law. The modern church has an affair with the law, which is why so many are leaving the church. And those who are staying are confused. Either they think they got it, I got this thing, and Lord, I'm glad I'm not like this sinner. Or those, those sinners who are struggling, how do I know? How do I know if God loves me? And that's an honest question. That's an honest question for someone who gets a steady diet of the law every Sunday. I struggle with sin. I cannot grasp victory. I'm a failure. How can God love me? When I hear those statements from Christians, I know that the law is doing its job. And the church isn't. The church needs Christ and him crucified. We need an affair with the gospel that never ends. We need reformation. We need the righteousness of God apart from the law. So dear Christian, look away from yourself. Put away your own good works. Set aside your righteousness and receive the righteousness and the goodness of Christ instead. But now, but now signifies a change. 
but now signifies a change that lasts forever, but now signified a change from condemnation, which the law has condemned us all under condemnation, all under the wrath, but now there's a change from condemnation to justification. And the gospel alone justifies. This is evidence from Romans 3 as we read, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law and the prophets bear witness to it. And then we have context. Paul says, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by grace. We're now justified by grace as a gift. You see, all sin by the law, and all those who believe are justified by grace. But now, grace. And this justification we know is final, and it's forever. Romans 1, 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation because of the gospel. Now, most people do not think of themselves as being under condemnation. Most people do not think of themselves as being under condemnation because they mix the law with the gospel. They think to themselves, I'm alive and I'm doing well. Perhaps I'm healthy and wealthy. That's gospel. And I'm going to stay this way. That's law. But the law says, oh, foolish one. It is appointed for man once to die and after this, the judgment. The law says you are dead in your sins. You are dead in your trespasses, and you will perish. Jesus said, John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. No, Jesus would say, the law has already done that. I didn't need to come to condemn. You're condemned already. Jesus says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but... There's our word again, but to save the world through him, that's gospel. The but now from our Lord and Savior, the law gospel distinction. You see, no matter how religious you may be, you may say, I am very religious. You can be as religious as Paul before the Damascus road. And if you are just as religious as Paul before the Damascus Road, bearing that law like Paul before the Damascus Law, you are privileged to serve idolatry and do works on righteousness only. Yet by the gospel, things can be different. Here, Bible turn with me to Romans 7, 6. We're in Romans 3, 21, just a few chapters over. Romans 7, 6. Have your highlighters ready. But now... There's those two words again. Remember, I'm preaching just two words. <laughs> Verse 6, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. But now the Spirit delivers us. And notice that the Spirit delivers us from what? The law. The Holy Spirit has delivered us from the law. He has delivered us from the law that we may be holy and blameless. Delivered from the law by the Spirit. Romans 6.22, look at Romans 6.22, our two words again. But now, highlight those words, but now. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become of slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. 
Paul is saying good deeds only come by the gospel. You take that law and try to be good, worthless. You take that law and that law will make you only worthless. That law will only further condemn you, but take the gospel. By the Holy Spirit, you're going to be transformed. And we don't get rid of the law as Christians. Christians need the law. That's called sanctification. But here's a very important truth. The law does not sanctify you. The law is powerless always and forever. The law doesn't sanctify you. Christ does. And the gospel moves in your heart and in your mind and in your hands such a way that you take that law and you joyfully follow it. Paul writes in Ephesians 2.13, but now. Hear those two words? Two of the greatest words ever penned. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God and members of the household of God. You see, the law takes us away and the gospel gives. The law takes us away from God and the gospel gives. And the gospel gives us a family. That's a major distinction between the law and the gospel. You see, friends, the law and the gospel could not be more different. And don't you dare mix them. Michael Horton called the mixing of the law and the gospel a gospel. He says many Christians mix the law and the gospel, and he calls it a gospel. And you can hear it in folk evangelicalism, in their little sloganeering, in their bumper sticker sloganeering theology. God helps those who what? Help themselves. You hear the law and the gospel confusion? God helps, but you got to help yourself. Take the first step, God, to take the rest. Let go, let God. And whatever other bumper sticker spewing out the trash that's out there today, mix a little law and gospel and you will get a whole lot of hell. Look to grace alone and you will get all of heaven. You get Christ and him crucified alone. Christ is all we need. And history and life will be forever changed by those two letters. History and life has been changed by those two letters, but now. One last verse. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, 1 Timothy. Nope, 2 Timothy. I promise you, it's 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Get your highlighter ready. 1 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy. I think I've had too much coffee. Getting excited up here. 2 Timothy Chapter 1, verse 9. Paul says here, who saved us, God has saved us, called us, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he now gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. But now... You see, before the foundation of the earth, God secured, that's what Paul is saying here. Before the foundation of the earth, God secured our salvation by the gospel. If you believe you can lose your salvation, let me tell you something. You're confused. You've mixed the law and the gospel. You've never had an ability to save yourself. You've never had that ability. 
and you've never had the ability to lose, that ability belongs to Christ, and he's too powerful. He's too powerful to lose anything. Your God is great, dear Christian, who before the foundation of the earth called us, not by our works, not by our use of the law, but by his own purpose and grace, which he gave you in Christ Jesus before the ages began. According to Paul, God's power, the power of the gospel is eternal. Eternal before time. Before you were lost, you were found. Before you even had a chance to be lost, you were found. You were found by Christ. You were found by God the Father, chosen to be holy as if you have never sinned nor been a sinner, but as if you have been perfectly obedient by the obedience of Christ, which is your gift, a gift of God which you have to receive and you receive only by grace through faith alone. The law says do and live. The gospel says believe and have life forever. But now are two of the greatest words ever penned. I was lost but now I am found. I was blind, but now I see. Two of the greatest words ever penned that uphold the two great words of Scripture, law and gospel, and know the distinction and find life eternal in Christ alone. Amen. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's Word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.